my life. I'm bearing fruit now. I'm not perfect yet, but it's changing me. It's implanted within me. It wasn't before, now it is. It's, it's, it's saved me. Do you know salvation in scripture is, has three tenses. If you're generally saying, you have been saved, conversion, Jesus Christ, you are being saved, sanctification, and you shall be saved in perfection. That's glorification, that's to come. Salvation's not just past tense. It's present and future. Back into James 1 today and our crash course on character. The term character that we're using here covers so many things in our everyday life. Speech, anger, frustration, matters of the heart. As believers, how are we seen by others? How do your neighbors know that you know the Lord? Is it through your words or how you spend your time? Is it where your money goes or how you react when something doesn't go your way? James tells us so much in these verses about how to gain wisdom in regard to sinful anger. Listen to today's message from James 1, 19 to 21. Are we going to point fingers at someone else hearing this message or sit back and let the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts? Open your Bible with me today to James chapter 1 and let's get back into the message. Listen to the one who speaks truth. Listen to the one who forgives. Listen to the God of love and mercy and grace. Listen, listen, hurry up. Hurry up and listen before it's too late. And of course, quick to hear is so closely related to the next imperative, which is slow to speak. Slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Really, really good wisdom for us today. But let's be honest here too. Most of us live as these commands are in reverse. Most of us, slow to listen, quick to speak. By the way, the Bible has a ton to say about those with a rash tongue and with reckless speech, like a ton to say about the words that we use. Apparently it was a guy named Zeno, an ancient philosopher. He said this, this is is wisdom. He says, we have two ears and one mouth. Therefore, we should listen twice as much as we speak. That's good, that's good. Everybody knows the way we're created to. Our ears are perpetually open. Our tongues are guarded by a shield of teeth and lips that shut. That's inherently God created us in such a way we are to listen more than we speak. Proverbs 18, two on the screen for you. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding but there's so many proverbs on speech, man. It's amazing. But only in expressing his or her opinion. Another kind of colloquial saying, which is you know rooted in scriptural principles too, is this, you will win more friends with your ears than with your mouth. That's interesting to ponder on. Character, listen, character is profoundly revealed by the words that we choose and use. So how do you know that? Well, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, finish it for me, Yes, the mouth speaks. So, so the words that come out from on us reveal the heart within us. It is very, very critical and crucial with the words that we use revealing what's actually inside. 
more principles of wisdom, all gained from scripture. We'll see this in a second. Abraham Lincoln, he said this, it is better to be thought a fool and remain silent than to speak out and remove all doubt. (laughs) And he got that from scripture himself, as we'll see in just a couple of moments as well. The principles of being slow to speak. Listen, it's impossible to listen if you never stop talking. Our inability to listen to others is often an indication of our inability to listen to God. Too many people can't stop to listen to the God of the universe. And when we do often, it's like this. Okay, God, speak, but you only have 60 seconds, so make it quick. It's not how it works. And yet those are most of our lives. You know, was it Samuel? Speak, Lord, your your servant hears. Often we're like, listen up, Lord, I'm about to speak. Some Proverbs on the screen. So James is called the, the Proverbs of the New Testament for good reason. And you see just the unity of this. How about some verses of Proverbs on the screen for you? Proverbs 17, 28, so to speak. Even a fool, again, there's, 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 there's dozens. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Be slow to speak. Here's another verse. Let's put the next verse up here. Proverbs 10. When words are many, This is very good wisdom. Transgression is not lacking. The more we speak impulsively and without a guarded tongue, the more we get ourselves into trouble and dig holes and and hurt people. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Next verse, Proverbs 13. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Interesting, eh? He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. And one more verse here, Proverbs 29. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The Bible has so much to say. And by the way, as James goes on in chapter three, there's a whole like section, an extended section on the tongue and how that's used and sets like a forest fire ablaze. The amounts again of care that the Bible wants to give us on the words that we choose. Um, Alex Moyer, a commentator, he said this on the screen for you. The great talker is rarely a great listener. Not never, but rarely. And listen, this never is the ear more firmly closed than when anger takes over. That's a great lead into our third command of this first point, quick to listen, slow to speak. And then James says, and slow to anger. Look at now verse 20, slow to anger. Why? For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Consider how often that anger, anger causes impulsive and harmful speech. Consider how often anger is used to compound existing sin in our lives. Consider as often the anger that results in words that we instantly regret as we say them, but we cannot take them back from the hurt they have caused. Consider the anger that has created deep wounds within other people, again, from our lives. I remember early on in a premarital study in a book way back for Jill and I, and remember in learning that anger is almost always the result of one of three things. Anger almost always stems from either fear, frustration, or hurt. 
You think, why am I angry? Think about that too. In times where you've been angry, sinfully angry, there is a, a righteous anger, but James is talking about sinful anger. Why do we get angry? Well, how about this? We, we feel fear when we start to lose control of life. We're losing control of situations. And because we're so afraid of that, the only result and reaction we know is to get angry and to cause anger to try to reestablish that, which makes us feel more secure. That happens all the time to our great detriment. It's a, it's a, it's a fear of losing control. So we double down with force and anger to reestablish that, which makes us feel more secure and devastates others around us. How about when we experience great frustration as circumstances aren't as we planned? That could be anything from sitting in traffic, experiencing road rage when someone cuts you off to a teenager completely rebelling and I didn't sign up for this. And the frustration that comes out and the anger as a result because inside you're in turmoil and you don't know how to deal with it. Or how about the anger when we've been significantly hurt and because we've been so hurt, we want to hurt back. We want retribution. We want revenge. And so anger is the means to that revenge. It's amazing, isn't it? That like so many of us, maybe all, so many of us, some of our clearest memories involve pain. For some of us, we can go back decades to a moment at home or a moment in marriage or a moment, whatever it might be. And the anger of that moment, either against us or from us, and the hurt, the hurt and the wounds it caused, again, either to us or from us. And even as I say that now, there's some memories that are flooding our minds to say, man, anger is so powerful. It's so potentially harmful and devastating. And once those things happen, there can be healing, yes, but they leave scars. And the wounds result in scars. And it's often things that are not forgotten. See, the Bible knows what the Bible's talking about here. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Sinful anger is that which results in tremendous harm. It can be healed from, there can be recovery and grace. And this is what Jesus Christ came to do. But it's slow to anger because of what's at stake. No, behind this command, slow to anger, it's more than just the outburst. The outburst, sinfully wrong, absolutely. But it's also speaking to a slow burn of anger. There's an accumulation of frustration and anger and rage that starts to build, maybe over days, weeks, months, sometimes years, and even decades. If the anger is not dealt with, the slow burn that's inside of us, again, slow to anger, slow to anger. We must be very, very careful, very, very wise, and very, very close to Jesus. Because if we don't deal with this anger, the devastation part is the anger starts to control us from the inside. If we don't repent of the anger, come clear before God, if we don't seek his cleansing and forgiveness and get rid of the filth that anger places on us, the anger starts to dominate our hearts, our lives, our speech and our actions, our emotions and our direction. We become dominated 
by the anger and rage that has grown within us again over many, many, many periods of time in some cases. Proverbs 16, verse 32 on the screen for you. This is why, again, again, there's many verses on this. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Notice, and he who rules his spirit, self-control, is better than the individual who can conquer a city. The strength of self-control of the spirit of God working within us that we might see anger slow, slow to anger because we understand the seriousness of what's at stake. It's interesting, Jesus, you know, this reminded us in the, in the Sermon of the Mount, he has a whole section on anger. And he says, you have heard it said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. We're like, yeah, we get that, we get that. But he says, but I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to the same judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, attacking the reputation and character of another will be liable to the hell of fire. Not my words, Jesus' words. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Wow, the seriousness with which Jesus paints the sin of anger within each of our lives. And then in James 1, again, verse 20, and the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So here's what happens. When we get angry, sinfully speaking, we think we're accomplishing something in our eyes. We get angry to force the situation. We get angry to get our own way. We get angry to unleash hurt. We get angry to dominate someone else. We think we're making progress. In God's eyes, nothing has just happened. Nothing good anyways. There's been no progress in the eyes of God. And that's the deception of sin and that's the deception of our flesh and the deception of Satan who tries to convince us otherwise. Anger, and, the, and the, one of the greatest dangers of anger that's unchecked too, if we let it grow, it will burn into serious bitterness because it's bitterness that poisons. Daniel Henderson, I got this from an article he wrote, but this isn't his quote. It's referenced by many people. It says this, bitterness is the poison we drink thinking it will kill the other person. Now that's wisdom. That's wisdom. And that's what's happening. And I mean, I mean, who's that for today specifically? See, when we're bitter, we ourselves drink a poison because the bitterness defiles us more than anyone else. But we're hoping the poison we drank is gonna somehow kill someone else. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And anger and bitterness and resentment, they're so closely tied, aren't they? Again, this sinful anger will never produce the holiness that God desires. Today, it's a crash course on character. It's powerful. And by the way, let me just say this too before we move on. If you want to quench the Holy Spirit in your life, if you want to grieve the Holy Spirit in a hurry, let sinful anger take root. Okay, like if, 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 you want, if you want your life to diminish of affection and genuine sense of the presence of God, then just, just, just let, let, let anger come in. If we want our church 
to quench the Holy Spirit in a second. Let's let, let's let a whole bunch of us start to be bitter and fill with resentment and to, you know, to pride each other and to bite each other and devour one another. That's one of the best ways we can see the Holy Spirit kind of become mute in our midst. But where there's healing and forgiveness and humility and repentance and confession and meekness and contrition, then the, the Spirit of God floods that environment, floods that marriage, floods that family, floods that small group, floods that elder board, floods those pastors, floods that church. Because the Spirit of God dwells among those who are lowly and contrite in spirit and who tremble, tremble at his word. So we must have open ears, Careful tongues and restrained anger. This takes us, I spent more time in point one, I think for obvious reasons. Now I'm gonna move a little more quickly through point two and three. But notice number two then, because of this, we must trash our sin. We must trash our sin. Where do you get that from? Verse 21, look at, therefore, see, because the anger of man does not produce God's righteousness or holiness, therefore, trash your sin. Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Wow, the therefore is very important here. Because sinful anger is so damaging, trash the sin. Put it away. The clarity of scripture here, eh? What does sin do to us? Notice from this one verse, one half verse here, sin makes us filthy and excessively dirty. Sin stains and muddies our souls. Sin places places a gross grime of defilement upon our hearts. Not my words, it's the words right here. Filthiness and rampant wickedness. So this is why each day we gotta take a cleansing spiritual shower to discard our sinful, disgusting clothes that are filthy and trash them. Sin's never good, man. Your flesh tries to put a spin on it. The devil tries to put a spin on it every day. Our world is all over the place trying to put a spin on it. Here's the reality of sin. Sin is the devil's vomit. Sin is the soul's excrement. This is why David, after his sin with Bathsheba and adultery and the murder of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, he is broken, he is confronted. Psalm 51 is one of the greatest Psalms of confession and cleansing. God against you and you only have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. Wash me, I'll be whiter than snow. God created me a clean heart. I need to be cleansed. Cleanse me of the filth. Wash me from that which has put grime all over, stained my heart. Wash, you're the only one who can wash me, God. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. We must be cleansed from that which causes filth within our lives. Jesus Christ came to do that. He's the only one who can, and there's no sin he cannot forgive. And there's no one too far from him. He is the master cleanser. When someone genuinely pursues him and seeks him, you will be forgiven and you will be cleansed. That we would have then pliable hearts, what? To see our sin and detest the filth that it creates. You know, one of the greatest signs of true revival? True revival, when revival is happening by the spirit of God, people start stop blaming one another. When God is truly at work in revival, 
there's a, there's a sense of the holiness of God. And when there's a holiness of God, like Peter in the boat in Luke 5 and the catch of fish and whatever happened there, he sees Jesus Christ in his glory. He falls down, says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. He just sees the glory of Christ and all he sees at that point is his sinfulness. He's in massive trouble. He needs to be cleansed. When God's spirit is genuinely working, there's not like it's her fault or his fault. No, no, no. The only thing you see is the glory of God and the stain of your own sin and the massive desire to be made right before God because in true work of God, here's what happens. Here's what you say and I say, I'm the problem, God. Not you, not you, not you. I'm the problem. I'm the one who needs to be cleansed. You think of all the situations in churches too, man, over the course of years and centuries, there's so much infighting. There's so much blame and accusation. Churches split and fall apart because all people are doing is screaming at each other and, and spreading this venom of hatred and accusation. It's awful. It's the antithesis of what God wants. It's the opposite of the fruit of the spirit. But when God is truly working, you want to put away your own filthiness and rampant wickedness because you want nothing to stand in the way of God's work upon your life and your heart. We must trash our sin. This is intimately connected with point three now. We must humbly receive the life-changing word. Look at verse 21 again. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, notice, Notice this, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So watch this, do you ready? Trash the sin, embrace the word. See that? Trash the sin, get rid of the filthy clothes and now embrace, receive with humility the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. Isn't that interesting? The implanted word. So if you're saved in Christ, in this sense, the gospel is implanted within me and you. We have the gospel. Those being baptized today, that's what they're testifying to. I am a new creation. The, the, the word of the, of the gospel is, is in my life. I'm bearing fruit now. I'm not perfect yet, but it's changing me. It's implanted within me. It wasn't before, now it is. It's, it's, it saved me. Do you know, salvation in scripture is, has three tenses. If you're generally saying, you have been saved, conversion, Jesus Christ, you are being saved, sanctification, and you shall be saved in perfection. That's glorification, that's to come. Salvation's not just past tense. It's present and future. The Bible is responsible for that entire process. In fact, that you shall be able to save your souls is in the aorist infinitive, which indicates the process of salvation, again, from start to finish. By how? By the implanted word, by the gospel, by the Bible, by the scriptures. Listen, it is impossible. It is impossible to grow in Christ apart from the book. It is impossible. Even right now, what's happening? We're preaching the book. I have no message apart from this book. This book instructs us. The Holy Spirit wrote this and he is changing our lives in the midst right now for those who receive with meekness the implanted word. So the Bible saves us past, present, and leads us to the future. But here's the difference. It will change and save those who receive it with humility. So right now today, here's our case study. Here's our opportunity. Right now today, very clear exhortations, very clear commands, very clear imperatives. Very clear crash course on character. 
But as James is about to say the next verse next week, will you be a hearer only and not a doer? Or will you hear and do? The difference will be those who receive the word of God with meekness or humility. But here's the reality. Here's what happens over the course of time. Many or some here today will hear this message and they respond to the message with obstinance, pride, hard-heartedness, lukewarm, indifference, and being unteachable. So they will not change. They will not be transformed in character because they have heard, but they have not received with humility, which means they have not actually truly heard. But then the alternative is you're here today and the Holy Spirit graciously confronts you and convicts you about sin that he loves you so much. He wants to show you that you might be changed into a better man, woman, child, whatever it is. And if you humbly receive the implanted word, then it's able to save you and to transform you again, more and more into the character of Jesus Christ. So this is what happens every time we meet, whether here or small groups, whatever it might be, how will we respond to what God has so clearly said? So just by way of summary today, let's go through some application questions. Based on James 1, 19 to 21, what listening starts today in your life? What new form of listening must start today? What has the Holy Spirit said to you about what we listen to? What are we listening to? What should we be listening to? What speech stops today? What speech has this flat out been too much, too harmful, too sinful, not helpful? Too much talking, too much output, not enough input. What anger is repented of today? I just want you to take that so seriously today. I believe the Lord has graciously and gently, again, revealed for some individuals here, overflow, whatever it might be, that anger is, is an issue that is really, really taking away from what the Lord wants to do and hurting people around you. You will be forgiven. When you truly confess and repent of these sins, you will be forgiven. God is faithful and just to cleanse us of all our unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Believers, and cleanse us, cleanse us of filth, of rampant wickedness, of unrighteousness. What sin is being trashed today? So for where I live, Monday is just garbage day. Praise the Lord, that's tomorrow morning. Can't wait, can't wait. It's so exciting. You know how much I love garbage day? Why? It's a spiritual metaphor for me and all the time, man. You take the filth, you take the trash, you get rid of it, man. Take it to the curb. It stinks, it's dirty, it's ugly. No one wants that, okay? You trash the trash. What sin are we trashing today? Here, Sunday, it's garbage day today at Hope Bible Church. It's garbage day. Take it to the curb, man. Jesus Christ will take that trash and dispose of it for you. He will, but you gotta bring it. You got to bring it in confession and repentance. And then lastly, what specific word from God do we receive today? What is the specific word that God has brought to you and your life today? And now what are you going to do about it? And that's where we go next week specifically, but be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. I'm thankful for the clarity of God's word. And now I pray for the responsiveness of God's people. Let's pray, church. Let's pray. Maybe just be still where you are right now. And Holy Spirit, I believe you are speaking. I mean, how could you not in terms of the clarity of your word and the promise of scripture that you will? 
I pray, oh Lord, right now that you are revealing wisdom to men and women and children. I pray that you are granting life, Jesus Christ, as we've heard all day today. Jesus Christ, the one who forgives us our sins and gives us everlasting life. Lord Jesus, I pray even now as you respond to you for what we cannot do in of ourselves. We need you. We need you. I pray there will be a wonderful cry of each heart. Yes, Lord, help me in my sin. Help me in my life. Help me in my temptation. Help me, Lord, to be led by you, to speak for you, to listen as you would have me. Help me, Lord, to receive your word with humility and meekness. We pray now in Jesus' name. Hey, if you're looking for more Bible teaching, we have many of Pastor Robbie's previous Live in the Light messages available for you to listen to at any time on our website, liveinthelight.ca. We also have our daily program in podcast form so you can listen easily on the go or hanging out at home. If you have any questions about who we are or want to share a story about what God is doing in your life, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at one 844 22LIGHT or use the contact page on our website. Catch you next time here at Live in the Light. I wanna be-